Good evening, everyone. This is Kareem Najazi, the creator and host of the Introverted Iconoclast. I'm starting this session as a preliminary um, sort of study of people's perceptions and thoughts around privacy versus security. Nothing that's a new question by any stretch. Um, we've been coping with this for a very long time, even pre-technological era, and certainly heightened with all the events of Edward Snowden and now in recent times with um, marketing tech that seems to know everything we're doing at any given moment. So part of my curiosity is people's perception around the value of it. I actually was, it was brought to my attention recently because I was answering a call around Spotify's recent uh, delivery. It was close to the beginning of the year where it said, this is your, kind of recap of your entire year's use uh, of, of the product. This is what you listen to. And then this is what you, your favorite thing was. And everyone was like, oh, wow, great. And then it started to recommend things that were really, really targeted and very, very eerily close to what people liked. And they, they found it somewhere between exciting and creepy. <laughs> now, that was Spotify. So just imagine some of the other ones that have incredibly... Um, I don't say nefarious purposes, but they go a lot deeper. There's a lot of the, you know, focus and agenda to try to figure out what exactly drives you in a direction, whether it's politically or otherwise. Um, certainly from a marketing perspective, it's what drives you to be a consumer. That's the interest there. And then there's the really dark side of it, which is that if your privacy isn't buttoned up enough, your um, information is accessible to threat actors and nation state adversaries that want to use it against you and the country as a whole. So, and in my work, I'm usually there looking at whether it's governmental or corporate security to determine whether they have, um, you know, an opportunity to be hacked or if they are actively in a state of compromise. And it all starts with us. It all starts with people um, and their machines and their devices and their home and networks, not just their corporate environments. And now post pandemic uh, and through the pandemic, everything was a work from home scenario in, in just about every case. And that opened up a whole slew of new vectors for uh, homes to be targeted as the the conduit whereby an actor could get in, a threat actor could get into the corporate environment. So unfortunately, our homes and the sanctity of our homes and all that have become uh, fair, fair game, essentially, for these kind of political games that are being played, or in some cases, uh, you know, nefarious groups that are looking to use your information for, for marketing purposes, like I mentioned. So I know I've talked about a spectrum of things that are not all nearly as important as the other necessarily. I mean, I really don't care if I get advertised diapers because someone's looking up baby names on my computer. That's I can live with that. Uh, what I don't want is my identity stolen. I don't want someone tracking every little thing I do or what I say so they can mash up something and essentially fabricate something that I've said, uh, use a deep fake, which if you don't know what that is, that's essentially taking an image of mine or several images and then making it look like it's me. I'm sure everyone's watched that. So there's some really um, interesting challenges ahead with us uh, as, a, as a community, um, as, as a community being targeted effectively at this point. And the era of you know social media where you deliver everything of yourself out to the world is still happening even though they've quote unquote put controls on it, it's unfortunately not necessarily going to do much good. I think there's quite a bit out there already that people could cobble together to do some pretty substantial damage.
So in no way is this a recommendation of how to kind of mitigate that. I could definitely do a, a talk on that. I don't know that I have really phenomenal um, uh, advice around trying to remove yourself from the internet. That is a really lofty uh, ask these days, unfortunately, with the way the algorithms work in Google and other places, everything's stored somewhere. So even if they take you off the main environment, even if you SEO yourself down into the second or third or fourth page of the search results, unfortunately, you're still there. And for a motivated group, uh, that's not too much of an ask for them to find it. So there's there's some real interesting conversations, spinoff conversations that could be had here. Um, but I definitely think that philosophically, this notional idea of privacy versus security is something that everyone has a different opinion on. I think, you know, depending on your age, depending on your social status, depending on your position in life, and maybe even your career path, all those things mean something very different. I was, for one, entirely off social media of every kind uh, for years, um, partially due to my work, but partially because, and if anyone does any homework on my name, I got in a pretty interesting drop-down, drag-out fight with a hacker group that tried to extort me as a security professional, and that put me in a very precarious position. They elevated and escalated the, the, the attack, if you will from something that was beyond a cyber threat to something that was quite physical in nature. Um, there's a whole episode on my podcast that talks about that. It's called When Lulz Like Attacks. It was part of my career path and, and everything. And maybe one day I'll do a, um, a talk on it here and open up the lines for some conversations around what happened and a few more details on how things uh, went down there. But that's the reason I was off social media in its entirety, uh, or to the best of my ability. <laughs> So what I mean by that is, um, and I think anyone that's ever done this before knows what I'm saying. I was off Facebook, I was off Twitter, uh, and you know I thought, okay, good, I've 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 done what I can to kind of go off, disappear off, you know, the the proverbial locations that people might be able to find me. And when I returned, more recently, believe it or not, because I started a podcast, because I was I founded this firm several years ago, and I needed to sort of come out of the shadows a little more. Uh, man turned on Facebook and everything was right there where I left it. And I'm like, man, you guys keep everything. So hate to say it, but even if I thought it was off, it was absolutely available to someone motivated that might want to get into that account and maybe turn it back on and, and harvest that information. So it did make me feel very good. Um, you know, their policies for holding on to information are what they are. I uh, don't think that it's, you know, a lot of folks have had a real issue with that, but they, they found loopholes to, to say they need to hold on to that data for whatever reason. So in, in some capacity, it's interesting because once we forego a certain level of privacy in the world today, especially with the internet, you almost can never regain it. Um, it's very difficult. So it's, and it's, not, I, this is not meant to be foreboding or, or doom and gloom. It's just that it's a reality that we need to sort of address. And I made a concerted effort and decision that if I was going to start this podcast and I was going to become much more outward facing, well, the reality is that that's, that's the price you pay. You start foregoing a certain level of your privacy. It's not too dissimilar to celebrity lifestyles where, look, you know, you chose to be Brad Pitt. Hey, man, you're a great actor. I think we all enjoy watching you. You're going to inevitably incur uh, some pretty substantial uh, pursuits when you're in the street. <laughs> If someone sees you and paparazzi is going to be all over you, it's sort of the name of the game if you choose to do that. Um, but even just a person that has absolutely no desire for fame or attention are now subject to these types of um, 
data harvesting efforts and and information uh, collection. So that's a a sad reality for people that have no in- interest in in being in the spotlight. And that's an interesting conundrum that we have to face. Now, security. The reason I I have it as privacy versus security is that in order to have one, you do need to forego to some degree the other. It it's just they're inextricably tied together. Where if you forego a certain amount of privacy for security, that's a good thing. If you forego a certain amount of security for privacy, that's also a good thing. But you have to balance it. And people sometimes don't realize they're they're directly in opposition to each other in many cases. So, for example, the surveillance state, which is something that obviously came up in the in a post Snowden world, really was talking about this very invasive capability by the U.S. government to surveil even the U.S. population everywhere and anywhere, or really generally the world. But they were really focused on U.S. citizens. And now, look, I'm not here to advocate one or the other about the Snowden mess. That's, you know. Everyone's got their opinions on that one. I do as well. But I think the point is I want to look at the data around this situation. And what's interesting is that the purpose for these types of technologies being built is so that they can identify and spot terroristic activity or threats to us as a people, to our nation. That level of surveillance is unfortunately a key part of a level of security that is necessary in many cases. Because if you deliver unfettered and unbreakable privacy to everyone, which we all feel like we deserve. Let me be clear. I'm in the same boat there. Well, now we're giving privacy to groups that really do need light shed on them. So there's this problematic dichotomy between information that, you know, really we don't want shared that is innocent and good. Uh, and then there's when something bad happens, we're like, why didn't they catch it? You know, so I, I do see the, the challenge the government has in balancing this situation of being called a surveillance state, which indeed they are, but then also getting demanded of to pr- be the protector of us. And you need to get a handle on this stuff and make sure we're secure. That's what we pay our tax dollars for. And I think that's a, a very challenging position for the government to be in. So. In no way am I standing up and saying that these guys have gotten it right by any stretch of the imagination. Private intelligence contractors like myself have thought about this a lot, and we've offered a lot of interesting solutions. We've offered much more palatable means to do this without being so um, kind of Orwellian in the approach, right? And uh, some of these, some of that advice has been taken, some of it hasn't. But I think it's incredibly important that we think about that, and I think this is a good topic, hence my purpose of putting session one there instead of uh, just that's it. Let's talk about it once and be done with it because I think it's an evolving conversation. Recently, I also spoke about Apple's interesting and somewhat odd choice, which I think they rescinded, to be clear, for them to actually be able to look at your photos in iCloud, otherwise known as photos on your phone, and uh, or if you have an iPhone. And uh, Well, I shouldn't say that because you can use iCloud and other devices, so it's not necessarily just an Apple thing. But the point was, and and I commented on this in in, in the media several times, which is that the intention here is try to to catch people that are, you know, doing uh, nefarious things or I think in the most dramatic sense, catch traffickers, uh, you know, child traffickers or otherwise or, or human traffickers in general because they would be using their phones for photographing some of these subjects and they would kind of leave them on their device. And it was a phenomenal way for 
a law enforcement to be able to pick up and run with it. But then came the challenges. I love that, by the way. I want to be clear. I'm a huge advocate of people pursuing those types of, of people in the world. They deserve to be caught. They, that whole process needs to be shut down. But what was interesting was that the minute they sort of announced it, all the privacy advocates spun up and said, whoa, 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 wait, what are you doing? And they had a point because here's the problem. They were using an artificial intelligence or an algorithmic means to look at the photos you have on your device. And what that means in lay terms is that they were going to use a computer to analyze the photograph to see if it would be able to identify any kind of um, indication of nudity or something that would have maybe indicated there was an abusive situation going on. And that's really clever in theory if the tech works. But then they went on to say, well, if the tech doesn't work and it gets flagged, it then goes on to an individual human to analyze. And that's where the the privacy advocate stepped in and said, well, I don't get this. So if I take a picture of my child in a bathtub, it's entirely innocent. And some algorithm decides that that's an abusive picture. All of a sudden, I'm suspect as an individual that some other individual is now going to get view of these photos that are private of mine or private of my children and then make a judgment call on it. And what if that individual makes a poor judgment because my kid doesn't want to have a bath that day and is crying his eyes out and the picture looks like he's miserable. Very interesting philosophical discussion that never got resolved. And Apple finally realized that they were just bit off way more than they could possibly chew and they pulled it back and everyone cooled down and it all settled down. The sad part about that is the intention there, if we're not going to be in, going to conspiracy theory land about what they were going to do with that data, let's stay on the intended goal of it, which is what they stated. It's sad because that might have stopped some really bad things from happening, but it also might have caused a real mess with a bunch of people that had no, no reason whatsoever for their information to be seen or looked at when information being pictures. So I found that really troubling, right? Because you know, I was, I was torn on that one and I had a hard time really giving a really honest assessment because they asked me several times on my personal opinion of it. And I said, look, I mean, I don't have the time to go into a long diatribe like I am tonight on the way I think it has value, but it also has challenges. I could really just kind of, I just said, look, it's a, it's a very challenging situation because both sides really have a point here. But I do think that there's, I think everyone would agree, there's value in having a watchdog scenario. Man, I'll tell you, if, if, if it's between some human getting a look at some of my photographs uh, that maybe are somewhat personal and private versus possibly my child somehow being targeted or, or identified by a, a trafficking group to be picked up on at school or, or grabbed in my yard, <laughs> look all day long. Right. It's one of these very strange things where I'd love to think that I have the means to protect imminently. And I, I have I have capabilities beyond an average individual based on what I understand, but I'm still not perfect. There's no way I'm going to forever be able to guard every soft target in my periphery in my existence. You know, I can probably do well for myself, but I can't always protect my family in every scenario so you do have to rely on an external group i mean something bad happens you call the police i mean you don't take care of yourself we're not in a vigilante state so there's a lot of things where we rely on these groups to do their job effectively and it does require these types of technologies to start subtly breaching that barrier between privacy and security and it's very difficult so 
I'd be curious if anyone has thoughts in this session or the next when I do it. Um, this is to lay the groundwork. If there's conversations to be had tonight, great. If not, this can be listened to in, in retrospect for uh, you know a, a session two where we get into a little bit more discussions around it, maybe at, a, at a an hour where it's a little bit more appropriate for everyone when they have time. But I do think that it's an interesting conversation that doesn't necessarily have a perfect resolution. I think technology is an enabler for this, and it will absolutely accelerate our ability to have both, actually. And it'll be interesting because we'll have conflicting technologies, <laughs> one technology giving us privacy and one technology giving us security, and they will be uh, diametrically opposed to each other. And it'll be an interesting situation to watch what will actually happen when that, that begins, where we're a little bit out of the control of it. And it's just simply uh, algorithm versus algorithm at that point, uh, which is already taking place. It's starting to happen here. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that people ask me, well, you know, what is ultimate security? And I have a really canned answer for this, and it's an interesting one. And ultimate security is no doors, no windows, no light, no air. That is death. That is boxed in to where nothing can get to you, nothing can hurt you, but then you can't survive. This is essentially what I tell businesses that that ask me kind of the sort of juvenile question of, we want to be bulletproof. And I'm like, well, that means you got to stop doing business because then you can't email anyone. You can't receive emails from anyone. You can't really even open your doors to anyone that could come in with a laptop that's infected with some sort of malware because you could be subject to it. And they're like, well, how are we going to have contractors? I'm like, well, there you go. You just answered your first question. No such thing as a bulletproof scenario. So in order for you to have a level of fluidity and business continuity, you're going to have to open up some doors and some gateways that bad things can come through. It's just like our households. We have portals into them because we have to come in and out. Those portals are unfortunately just as accessible to the adversary or threat actors as they are to us by definition. Yes, we may have the key, but unfortunately, these are very resourceful and uh, motivated groups, they can find ways around these kinds of things. So um, I'm putting it out there because I think people tend to take this kind of topic for granted. A lot of times they assume that we should just by default have a right to good security and we should have a right to good privacy. And that's entirely correct. But what we have to make decision on is to what degree and what balance is a, is a, an appropriate, you know, level of, um, what am I willing to forego with each side of it to make myself feel like I've got the levels I feel comfortable with on both sides? Um, you know, would you live in a house with absolutely no um, blinds or, or drapes? Would you feel comfortable that way? And most people would be like, no, including myself, that I feel like I live in a fishbowl at that point. So I want that level of security. But then what happens if my neighbors are across the street with the clear view into my house and my drapes are shut and I've got a home invasion and no one can see it. And I'm at gunpoint. Well, now I've foregone the ability to have someone possibly help me. It's a very strange metaphor I'm giving everyone here, but I want them to think about it because at first glance, the obvious answer is, Oh God, of course I want to have something that closes my windows off to the world. I don't want anyone looking in at me. Well, you certainly would love to have someone be looking in when you're having a problem that you can't scream or, get to a phone or, or defend yourself and you kind of someone with that view into your life uh, to, to help you. You know, there's a lot of things like that. That literal proverbial window that I'm talking about, that is a metaphor for an actual surveillance of your life in some way, electronically or otherwise. 
And I think that's part of the equation here that people have to um, sort of think through. You know, and now as we enter an era where I think we are drawing a line in the sand with adversaries where they're going to be doing a full court press on harvesting as much information as they possibly can about us as a, as a nation, as a people, for all kinds of reasons. It's the first step in any kind of legitimate war, which is to understand your enemy. And they've been doing it forever. They have been harvesting information about all of us. They're trying to figure out exactly where we all live. They're trying to figure out exactly what we all have. They're trying to figure out how they can influence us. They're trying to figure out how they can um, limit us in certain ways. All that studying of the adversary, in this case, the studying of us by our adversaries is something that is going to be only getting more and more important uh, as we go forward. And so I think at this point, I am willing, I'm speaking for myself here and, and, and you know, again, in this session or the next, let me know to what degree you'd be willing to forego a certain level of privacy for more security, whether it's by the government or it's by a private organization, whatever the case may be, because I'm a producer of a technology that essentially discloses whether or not someone actually has a compromise or a hack already. And man, I'll tell you, most people hate me walking in that door. I, I mean, I have corporate clients and when I show up and I say, hi, Acme, how are you guys doing? I'm, I'm, I'm your oncologist today and I have some unfortunate news. You have a terminal illness called this malware they usually throw the book at me and they're not very happy to see me because I'm giving them bad news they don't don't necessarily want. But if I don't share that information, several things happen. The adversary continues their rampage within their environment, unbeknownst to them. And even worse, their infection becomes their entire supply chain's infection. They're connected to their partners, literally like a biological problem. We've all learned what social distancing is and uh, contact tracing over this whole pandemic. That's exactly what I'm referring to from an electronic standpoint. So my goal as a, as a person, as a professional and as an organization is to identify who already is essentially a risky proposition to be interfacing with in an electronic fashion and who could essentially result in my demise in some ways. When my son's friends come over with their iPhones and their tablets and their um, you know, they're sometimes they're laptops for gaming. You know, I have them on an entirely separate network than my own uh, because I'm not about to introduce things that are coming in from their environments, promiscuously finding their way onto my network and my uh, my my computers and my family's computers. So I do my best. Nothing's perfect, uh, but that is something that is an interesting way to look at things. You wouldn't let someone in that you felt had a biological illness that could be transmuted or contagious, why would you do the same with something electronic? Because it's almost identical at this point. And that's exactly how people that have nefarious purposes will perpetuate their growth and their continued spread and proliferation of, intel of intelligence gathering on their side. And as a counterintelligence professional, my goal is to figure out what that strategy is going to be and preempt it and build countermeasures so that we are ready to either, you know, in the best, in, in the most basic case, limit it. And in the more sophisticated case, feed them bad information. You know, maybe that's another uh, topic here. Love your, your feedback on it, which is that I believe in not only simply limiting or being more defensive, I rather actually deliver bad information. So they go on a wild goose chase and chase a Kareem Hijazi that lives in Albania. Have, be my guest. Go run over there. See if you can find me over there because I don't live there, but I gave you an IP address 
that was from there. So have a nice day. So the whole goal here is to try to drive adversaries off the ledge by their own doing. And, and that's, I think, uh, the best part of this is if we can deliver ourselves ultimate security or as good as we can possibly make it by way of delivering powerful misdirection to the adversary, that's the next generation of what we need to be walking into as a country, as a government, not continue to go down this path of being just def defensive perpetually where we're trying to shields up approach to the problem because those shields eventually get worn down. They eventually get punctured and things get through. The Spartan phalanx eventually has a weak soldier that falls down and the whole thing crumbles. That's the nature of attacks. They look for weak points. They work on that weak point until they can finally get through. So if we can have them hammering at something that is absolutely not even in the range of where we are, that's the way to do it. So that's been consuming me from a work perspective for the last few days as far as strategies to make it very difficult for our adversaries more than it is just trying to become impervious to them, which is practically impossible. Um, but it translated down to my personal life. And I think that as I, as I see this community manifesting, I think it's an important conversation to have with everyone and understand how everyone views it or if they view it at all. If it's something that's completely foreign to everyone, totally understood. Um, in no way, I have a talk here that literally is, there are no stupid questions because there really are none. This is a particularly unique topic that few people really dive into unless they have somehow made it their profession like myself. And I get a lot of interesting questions around it because it's a philosophical challenge as much as it is a technical conundrum. And I think that if we can find ways to cohesively agree that there is a certain level of information I'm willing to share with the good guys to give us some level of protection, because that information about me, that same information about someone next door that's actually doing, doing something absolutely horrible is worth it to me. I'd rather to know that a, I hate to say it this way, but a neighbor of mine, hypothetically, that is doing something terrible is caught by law enforcement before my children are out playing and somehow hurt by them. So there's, there's a lot of things to think about as a ramification of not having some sort of visibility into an environment. So with that, um, happy to answer any questions. If not, I'm going to actually shut this one down and leave it as a session one and uh, plan for a session two where there's a full Q and a, but thanks for everyone that's listened. Um, you know, I think that this is one of those very challenging conversations that, you know, again, won't have a, a complete answer or anything that I think, um, you know, has, I don't think we're going to answer it in one go. I think there's going to be a lot of conflicting opinions about things. Um, one area that I'm willing to go into is how can you go off the grid? How can you become effectively unavailable to the world and the internet and all the risky propositions? And there are ways, there are ways they're just, they come with sacrifice. Um, I'm, as I've said to many of you that listen to me before, I'm in Maui right now. I'm at a house that I bought a number of years ago after I sold my last company. And um, this is not the house that I came to Maui when I first identified this place as someplace I wanted to live that I wanted to buy. The original house <laughs> is probably 30 miles down the road from here in a place that's far harder to get to and has water catchment and has uh, photovoltaic panels on the roof and was absolutely 
built to be resilient and completely off grid. And uh, my family and I decided it wasn't, it wasn't, that was too much. It was too dramatic of a, of a um, commitment to completely be away from society and just hermetize, hermetically seal ourselves away, I should say, from the world. We just weren't ready for that. Um, that would have been more psychologically damaging, I think, to the family and my kids than, frankly, the, the benefit of the security that it might have afforded us. So there's, there's that as well, is that trying to seal yourself off from threat also pulls you away from good things, pulls you away from positive experiences and, you know, shying away or, or fearing, the, you know, the world perpetually is no way to live. So in no way will you ever find me on these on this platform sort of advocating for ultimate hideaway and all that. I mean, you know, people earlier in their careers in the space that I'm in tend to be quite fanatical about, you know, overdoing it and overcompensating on security. And then they realize, well, wait a second, I'm, I've kind of I've laser gridded um, up a window to protect an apple pie. And it's like, that was a bit much. Let's let's ease up on that. That's a, that's an overkill for what we're trying to protect. Let's look at everything from a measured perspective and figure out what really deserves that level of security versus what can be scaled back and becomes meaningful and affordable in many cases. So a lot to talk about there. But um, again, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be talking about this again soon. Make sure you follow me. Or, and if you'd like, my podcast do cover a lot of my background and history about how I got into this. Um, and it, it will illuminate a little bit of where my perspectives are coming from. 26 years into this uh, has given me some very unique um, views. But again, thanks for listening and we will talk soon. Have a great night. Bye-bye.